This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Swansea has more McDonald's and clean sheets this season, so don't forget your Muck Nuggets are closer than you think with Muck Delivery. The only thing left to say is, you in? Order now in the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app are participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for further details. Hey, Spotifyers, click or tap the banner to listen to Rap Caviar, the freshest 50 hip-hop songs on the rawest playlist ever. Brought to you by our friends at Stars and the new season of Power Book 4, Force. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. Okay, welcome back to Swans Cast. After a double game week so far, we've got another one to go on the weekend, but recording this directly after the Barnsley game. So Swansea obviously went away to Barnsley. Also played Blackpool this week, and I've got Lee to join me for part of this video. So welcome, Lee. Hello. However, I was joined by Alid and Connor from um, a Blackpool podcast, and that will be inserted into the video in a second but before we get there I'll just do a quick introduction so don't forget to subscribe to the channel to uh, keep up to date with all of our content and to like as well because that helps us grow and for other people to see what we're doing and obviously if you're watching on Spotify follow us there and you'll get um, notifications and you keep up to date with all our latest uploads there as well Um, so yeah we'll get into the Blackpool game first of all and we're going to touch on tonight's win against Barnsley Okay, so I'm joined now by Connor Hamilton from the Seasiders podcast. So welcome, Connor. Thank you very much for having me. Absolute pleasure to be here. I did say your name right now, did I? No, no uh, issues there. <laughs> you did, yeah. No problem at all. Um, would you like to tell everyone where they can find yourself and maybe your podcast on social media and whatever, whatever you are? Sure. So you can find me at Glad All Over. Um, is the name of the song Blackpool used to play when we scored a goal. Um, seems to have been disbarred this season. And I'm part of the Seasiders podcast, which is at Seasiders Pod, um, which is where you'll find kind of any um, Blackpool preview shows, match reaction shows, if you want to your heart's content. But I'm not sure why you would, because if you're listening to this, you're probably a Swansea fan. Well, you know, um, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes people just enjoy watching the championship and how they're looking to some of the other teams and how they're getting on, especially before and after maybe they play each other. So obviously I was on your podcast um, before the game. So if you want to go check out what I said before to see if I jinxed us or maybe I didn't, who knows? You have to go and find out by checking out um, the Seasiders podcast from uh, from before the match. But Alid is also joining us. He was at the match. Uh, but before we do talk about Swansea versus Blackpool. I'm just gonna ask Connor a couple of questions about how we started podcasting, how we get, um, got into supporting Blackpool. So, yeah, how how long have you followed football for, and specifically been a Blackpool fan? So I got into football relatively 
late, I would say. Um, kind of got into black football around 15 years old. My dad got a season ticket, two season tickets to Blackpool, and I started going mainly to kind of bond with him, connect with him, and from there, kind of it, the obsession grew from you know all things Blackpool to kind of then following England and the national team. Um, I had a brief spell working in northwest London where I'd occasionally managed to get to a few Arsenal games and now I'm back in the northwest of England so I'm able to go back to games with my dad and connect with my boyhood club once again. Um, in terms of how I began podcasting, um, it really began with that move back from um, London up back into the northwest of England. I kind of while I was in London, I obviously followed a bit of Arsenal, as I said, and I sort of saw all the kind of really great data visualizations, kind of long form pieces written about Premier League sides. You know, The Athletic is a site that's really led the way in this. And I was like, I can learn how to code. I can probably do some of these for Blackpool. And so I did. So I kind of got my way in by, you know, built a little bit of a following online by doing kind of data visualizations, football stats related to Blackpool. You know, wrote a few blogs and then eventually the guys at the Seasiders pod were like, Connor, we like what you're putting out. We think you have semi-literate opinions about football. Why don't you join our podcast? And I've not looked since. Not looked back since. That's pretty cool, actually. Um, I hold my hands up here. I wasn't aware you did all that sort of uh, data stuff, but I might check some of that out and um, I'll take a look into it. It sounds rather interesting, so... Well done on that. I was going to say, when you were saying about the Arsenal stuff and how you got into podcasting, I was wondering if Arsenal fan TV was going to was gonna appear in, in a conversation. <laughs> but yeah. Different yeah. different avenue, I guess. Um, not not sure they, they would have had him on, on the podcast he's with if he was on there. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and also, I think there are examples on how not to, you know, run a fan TV channel a lot of the time. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe. I guess, um, yeah, probably... So, as a Blackpool fan, then, what would have been your highlight since you started supporting the club? It's a tough one, but I think probably the highlight has to be the most recent get, like the most recent highlight, which is obviously winning the playoffs. You know, post COVID, in the, you know, the first full season of Neil Critchley. You know, Simon Sadler kind of recently taking on ownership of the club and getting rid of the Oysters. Like, kind of really that whole confluence of events and circumstance that led to that being a really, really special, you know, League One playoff final. Um, if I had to pick kind of a second more egotistical moment, it'll be going to a game and, you know, me and my dad had a seat right behind the away dugout in our Premier League season. That happens to be when United were playing. So my highlight was game was winding up the United players and Sir Alex Ferguson to such an extent that he turned around and was like, Shut up, you wee gobshite And I was like, Okay, that's a that's a proud personal moment slash claim to fame. That is uh, that's pretty good. Um they got a reaction of, of uh, Sir Alex there. Um speaking of which, did you know that the Swans played in the uh, his last home game? I did not. That is a good pub quiz fact. I'll remember that. I believe that's correct, isn't it, Ali? That they were, it was the last home game. We were away at the so. Premier League. Like, yeah, inspired. I, I think so. Did we lose 2-1, I want to say? I think I think that's what it was. Correct me if I'm wrong, wrong in the comments. If in the comments, you know, go at me if I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure. It sounds right. Yeah, it, it does sound right. 
Yeah, I think so. Um, okay, that's yeah, that's interesting. So you just touched on getting back to the championship. So how has the season so far been for you since you have come back up? I've mentioned on your podcast I've been quite impressed with where you are in the league and doing better than maybe I expected beforehand, but I didn't really know loads about your team, how you played, you know, you manage all much of your players. So you might not be as surprised as what we are looking from the outside in. So how have you found it? I think it's a season that's definitely surpassed expectations. Um, I think going into the season, the expectations of certainly pundits and the bookies were very, very low. You know, we were nailed on as kind of, you know, we're going to finish second to last by most pundits and league tables. We've obviously Derby predicted to finish last because of all the stuff going on there. Um, I think Blackpool fans have always had a little bit more faith than that. We always figured we would be like a 17th, 18th team in how we finished. You know, that was kind of our expectation. So not quite a relegation battle, but not quite far above. And then really kind of how we've started, you know, started slow, but then building up momentum, eventually kind of having a brief holiday in the playoff spots before dropping down to kind of, you know, to 10th to 12th range. That's certainly more than anyone could have hoped for. Um, and I think it's a real testament to kind of Neil Critchley and this young squad he's building in terms of he's taking all these kind of journeymen players who may have been dropped by youth academies, let go, may have had injury issues and been free agents. And he's kind of turned them all into a really, really cohesive, seemingly quite talented side that certainly looks a lot greater than the sum of its parts. That's kind of like if I ever played football manager in the lower leagues, a classic sort of formula, isn't it? Take all the <laughs> three guys that could quite make it in the Premier League uh, youth teams and build a team out of them. But a lot of them get quite good, even in the game. Yeah. So, I mean, and Blackpool have made it work in real life. Completely. And Neil Critchley obviously used to be Liverpool under-23s coach. And while we haven't quite managed to crack open the gates to the Liverpool Academy, it seems like any talented young player that Everton has dropped, you know, he's picked up. So Josh Bowler, Callum Connolly, I think Shane Lavery is ex-Everton as well. Like all the kind of names that have come into the squad and set it alight to an extent all seem to be youth products. He's picked, you know, presumably new when he was on the other side of the Mersey. Um, so, yeah, kind of that's been a big advantage for yeah. us. We kind of had a bit of that under Steve Cooper, though it was more on loan, where we were getting all his like ex England under seventeen or eighteen players, whatever it was, um, yeah. Rian Brewster, Conor Gallagher, Woodman, uh, that sort of link. So, but obviously he's not here anymore. <laughs> yeah. Tammy was Tammy Abraham was a swan for a while, wasn't he? Yeah, he was not under Cooper. Yeah. That was under okay. Paul Clement. I want to say he brought him in uh, before he got sacked. But yeah, yeah, Tammy was here for a season. It was the year we went down from the Premier League that Tammy was here. Obviously, he's gone on to bigger and better things since then, whereas we've kind of gone down. But uh, there we go. Okay, so one or two more questions, more from like more about Swansea, if you like, which may be a little bit weird, but I want to get your perspective. So what was your sort of thoughts and opinions on Swansea before our game that we've just played? Um, like your general perception of the club and then based on like how we're doing this season so far? Um. My general perception of Swansea as a club was quite positive. I know, obviously, you've, had, you've been a very successful side in the past couple of years, you know, kind of reaching its playoff berths and, to my eyes, at least quite overperforming the wage budget, which is always nice to see a club do. Um, 
much prefer Swansea style, at least, you know, completely compared to your, you know, neighbours in Cardiff. You know, that kind of passing, um, really progressive kind of style that Russell Martin's implemented is, you know, um, on its way to being fun to watch. I guess kind of I, I was a bit worried that, you know, for how dominant you seem to be on like just the possession numbers, it never seemed to translate into kind of results or goals. It seems to be like possession as defence rather than the more fun kind. But I'm sure that will come. So I think kind of coming into this game, I was worried about that, worried about that kind of particular challenge and the extreme, extreme nature of it. Um, and maybe a little bit quietly confident that, you know, Blackpool was able to beat Fulham, draw against Bournemouth, you know, it's like, OK, but, if, you know, if they do keep it on the ground. They do try and play football, as it seems like they want to do. You know, that might suit us better than a Cardiff lump, lump, lump it long to the big men and hope for the best. Yeah. Uh, before going into the game, then, is there a player in our squad right now that kind of, like, stood out for you or made you a little bit worried? I mean, I think the one player who... I think I'd heard the most about and therefore was automatically the most worried about was obviously Perot, who ended up scoring in the game itself. And also it's just a great story if you sign this kind of kid from the Netherlands and he turns out to be better than anyone expected. I don't know, at least it seems to me he's turned out to be better than most people expected. Yeah, yes. I don't know if you Swans fans thought. Um, you know, he's just got such great technical ability. Like, yeah, I wish we had him. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely surprised us. He's still only twenty two. Uh, it's funny actually because one of our old directors, who when the Americans took over, obviously left as part of the the sale, um, is Dutch, and he likes to tweet about the Swans. Still, he's very disliked amongst the fan base, but he does like to still put his views out there, even though everyone goes at him every time he does it. But he came out and mm-hmm. said like. Joe Perot is the biggest waste of money this club has ever spent and the worst transfer we've ever done, obviously just after we signed him. So all the fans love to constantly remind him how well he's doing since uh, since he started this season so good. So that's uh, quite a funny point, I think. Um, especially now you've touched on it from the outside, saying that you've seen him mm. being quite impressive. Okay, let's take a look at the game then. So I think before the match, obviously I was on your podcast, we discussed it a little bit. You predicted a Blackpool win. I predicted a I Swansea win. And then we ended up getting a draw. So it was one all. Um, but I think a bit of what we both said kind of happened a little bit. Um, you pressed us quite well, I think. You said you were going to come out and press us, and I think you did. Um, before we go into the details, I'll look at the stats. So Swansea had 60% possession, probably expected, I would imagine. Uh, we had five shots, however, Blackpool, you had eight, and two of us on target to your three. There wasn't really much else that stood out for me. There was quite a lot of fouls. I think the referee will talk about him, <laughs> for yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, for me, I saw the game as we controlled it the way that we would like to at home, but not in a way that necessarily threatened you guys and you probably felt comfortable yourselves until... Perot scored and Perot's goal I don't think it was necessarily like we didn't really create a dangerous chance he sort of like banged one in out of nowhere So, yeah. uh, but obviously you go one in up and then it's on you to sort of hold on to that lead now there's a couple of penalty shots that we will talk about um, going into the second half though I thought maybe 55-60 minutes we kind of stopped trying to keep the ball it seemed 
whether that was tiredness or whatever, we let you guys back into the game and you seemed to have a lot more of the ball, whereas we were happy to sit back and kind of looked like we were playing on the counter a little bit more. Yeah. I wasn't overly concerned in open play, but then you did score from a corner, so I guess that does add up and we are always vulnerable from a set piece. So that's basically oh. the sort of uh, basic uh, analysis of the game. I don't know how you saw it when you were watching from Blackpool perspective, and maybe Alex yeah. can share his thoughts after that as well. Then, yeah, I think kind of the first comment make is you talked about you controlled the game quite well at points in the first half. I think you controlled the game before kickoff because one thing that Swansea fans may not appreciate is that Blackpool normally play in a four-four-two, not like an old Burnley, you know, classic yeah, yeah. football kind of style four-four-two, but. A kind of nice, fluid, modern four four two, and we completely ditched that this game to kind of go five, you know, three at the back, five at the back, you know, try and match you up to prevent those overloads and kind of wide areas. This kind of aggressive fullback play, you guys are really good at, and I think that's a major sign of respect to Swansea from Neil Critchley because we didn't change our formation against Fulham, we didn't change our formation against Bournemouth. We decided that against Swansea and you know your your shape and how you use it, that was worth doing. So you kind of had both sides going to this three at the back system. And as you say, I don't I don't think it created much throughout the game. You know, I think it was a game with very, very few chances. You know, there was yeah. a, that, obviously that wonder goal from Perot. And then even then, I think the corner we scored, you know, Keshi, like Keshi Anderson's goal. Very it's done it a couple of, yeah, it's a good finish. Um, but it's kind of one of those ones where, it's quite, it's quite a slow shot and it just curves so much with so much spin that the keeper's never quite sure where it's going. He did it against Preston as well in our, in our derby. Um, so, you know, kind of it just seemed like a game where we changed our system. We managed to completely you know, neutralise you to a fair extent. We didn't have enough bodies going forward, therefore, to create anything ourselves. And the game was decided by two individual moments of quality um, and maybe a few refereeing decisions that didn't happen. Yeah, so Alid, I know you were at the stadium. We actually were sitting at, like, I was in one corner. Two opposite ends, weren't we? So I was by the away fans, sort of, in the corner, and then he was the other end of the stadium. So two different perspectives a little bit, maybe, on some of the incidents. But um, how did you see the game overall? I think you've hit it right on the head there, in a way. Um, it, it is very much... Just two sort of, I guess, special-ish moments um, that have just dictated the game. I think we had a lot of the control in the in the first half and early second half, and then we just seemed to drop off. And the last, specifically the last twenty minutes, I could just feel the pressure sort of coming. You get more forward, yeah. more corners. Which, uh, to be honest, I didn't feel like we were threatened at all throughout any of the previous corners to be honest um i i you know you were putting the ball really deep and it was just missing everyone it was going out um we were closing down then on on other things yeah but yeah exactly um but as as a whole yeah i just think it was a pretty it was a game of close margins in the last 20 minutes i feel like and it was just sort of coming and um we just didn't from a Swans perspective, I don't think we we just sort of switched off and yeah, lost our game style. Definitely didn't do enough to win the game. I think a draw was a fair result. Um, 
I say a draw was a fair result. Again, we're going to talk about the incidents, and the incidents could have changed things had they gone different ways, which, whatever, you can say ifs, buts, maybes, but on the reflection of what actually happened, I think one all is fair in terms of how both teams played. Um, with the goals, then, we'll, we'll talk about those first. You just talked about the corner goals, so I know it's backwards, but we'll start with that. Um, yeah, so corner comes in. For me, the key error here is the goalkeeper punching the way that he punches, because it's not a commanding enough punch. He punches it basically to the edge of the box, and obviously the Blackpool player, I remind myself of his name, is it um, Kelly Anderson? Is that is that how you say it? Keshi Anderson. Keshi Anderson. We call him Lino Keshi. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, so he basically, the, the ball is punched away to the extent where he chests it down, so you can tell how, I don't want to say weak, but, but maybe it is weak, the punch is, because it doesn't go that far. Um, he's unmarked because of the way the corner comes in so close to the goal, all the players have naturally come closer to the goal line, but he sort of like drops back into that gap, which is good positioning from him, I think. Um, yeah, so the goalkeeper comes, he punches the ball away, straight down the middle, lands to him where he chests it and volleys it into the bottom left corner, but like you said, it's kind of swirling or, or curving in a way that the, yeah, the keeper doesn't really know where to go, and it is quite slow. When we were sitting... Because I was the opposite end of the pitch, we couldn't really tell. Like, oh, you said, oh, is it going to go in? Is it going to go in? And then obviously you're the cheers and you know that it's gone in. But it seems like after he smashes it, you th- you'd kind of expected it to go- to have something to happen quicker. I can't really describe yeah. it, but it definitely makes sense what you said about it being a bit of a slow goal. But I definitely think it was a good finish, a good bit of control, and a good. Um, strike but poor from our perspective from the goalkeeper there and he's had some good performances but I think it's worth pointing out where maybe he's made the wrong decision on this one I mean I was on that side of of the stadium at that point obviously um, and it, it looking back it does feel like it took an eternity to hit the back of the net <laughs> <laughs> it just, yeah I don't know it felt it, it, it was very slow um I don't know what you make of it, uh, Connor. But um, yeah, like that, that's going to be that's, that's his trademark goal. He yeah. scored that one in the derby against Preston. It was almost the exact same goal in terms of it hit the bottom left corner from the you know, edge of the box, and it just kind of like spins in slowly while the keeper's staring at it. Um, yeah. You know, at the end of that game, he was like, keeper should have put his hat on it. You know, finesse in it. And kind of since then, that's been like his catchphrase and it seems to become his really kind of statement goal. Well, um, I don't know if we'll see it going forward, but I don't know. It's kind of every time I'm like, that's not going to go in. The keeper's going to save that, but it rarely seems to happen. Somebody needs to, I think the teams need to start picking him up by the luck of air on the edge <laughs> of the box from a corner because he's just getting a bit of a gap that allows him to to do it. And fair play, if you're going to find the space, then yeah, fair play to him. I think it was a good finish from him, so... Well done. Um, otherwise, like I would say that's the most notable, if not the only major chance you guys had. Kind of similar yeah. to ourselves, other than the penalty incidents. Um, well, no, actually, not really similar, because Joel Perot's goal, he's played in by Oliver and Cham from the right, and he's kind of on the edge of the box, marked by one or two players, where he's kind of going onto his left foot, having a look. Um, you've got Ben Cabango kind of running up from centre-back, like, towards the goal, kind of in a bit of space, being like, yeah, lay me off, lay me off, I'll have a shot. He's the centre back. The strikers are like, nah, mate. I'm going to turn nah, to my weaker yeah. right foot. Just get a little bit of a yard on the defender because he probably thinks, oh, he's, he's left foot. He's not going to do with his right, and just bangs into the top left corner. Like I was sitting, 
directly in the flight of where he's kicked the ball to the top left. So you could literally see it arrowing into the top left goal. But it was also spinning quite a bit in the air as well, like you said about um, your guy's shot. But um, as soon as he left his foot, we could tell from where we were sitting he was going in. But you could tell the rest of the stadium wasn't quite sure, and the keeper was just oh, no. there. <laughs> the keeper was just there, like, okay, it's, it's gone I was, past. I was really annoyed that Grimshaw didn't die for that. I was like, at least try, mate. Come on. <laughs> I just think he just caught uh, everyone by surprise because I yeah. didn't think he was going to hit it from there and um, get it on target. No. But, uh, I mean, um, from. From where I was sat, again, it looked like it was going over. Um, you, you just mentioned the spin, but I think the dip on it was ridiculous as well. It's kind of like um, a bit of a knuckleball type shot that Gareth Bale used to do, not necessarily to a certain same extent, but the way that it moved in the air and dipped at the same time, um, it was definitely a good strike. Yeah, but I, for sure. I think the keeper was unsighted. I, I, I'd have a bit of sympathy, maybe, but I understand why maybe you'd be a little bit frustrated. Yeah, yeah I like the other thing there is I think we were playing a centre-back in centre-defensive mid that game, a guy called Callum Connolly, and I think kind of he was the one who was meant to pick up Perot there, but because he was a centre-back and you were kind of pushing us quite far back, he was like, oh, I'm just going to stay in this line and kind of do like a back six rather than maybe go out and, you know, pressure the yeah. man, force the man, etc. And, you know, against... Nine out of ten players that would not be an issue, yeah. But Perot just happens to be one of those players who can do that, and you're like, Oh, but he's oh. still surprising us. So, um, I mean, yeah, I, some sometimes you just need that player that will just take that chance and have a bit of a go from a, something that isn't a chance. And I'll be honest with you, we've missed that sort of player. Uh, we had IU last year, but they're not quite the same, it's, he has different uh, advantages, but. We missed like an out-and-out striker that would do something like that, and we seem to have got him. A lot of our fans, I don't know if you remember when we had Michu in the Premier League, a lot of our fans have been comparing him to Michu as quite similar in terms of their play style. But um, maybe that's Swans fans living, you know, living the dream, if you like. But uh, yeah, so there's the goals. Let's get to the sort of juicy stuff then with the incidents. Um, I think it's fair to say in terms of the game, it's quite equal other other than these goals. Like I said, we were pushing a lot of possession, especially first half. Blackpool sitting back, as you said, changed their game plan, changed their system to to match us, to like nullify us, and it did work. So we didn't necessarily make too much, but we got into the box a couple of times, and our players went down for whatever reason. So there's three major ones that I want to maybe touch on. For me, we should have had one penalty. Should have had one. The other, the other two incidents, okay, I understand why they're not given. I think like they could be given by certain referees, but then you might be frustrated as the team that conceded the penalty. Um, but you've definitely seen all three given at some point. But whatever, that's not, you know, that's still if but some maybes. I told you, I think in a message that for Swansea fans, we were a little bit more frustrated because it's been about six games in a row where we've had a penalty shout that's not been turned down. We haven't had a penalty all season, and it kind of felt like it was getting to the point where it was like, what do we need to do to actually get a penalty? Which is why you might speak to Swansea fans or hear them talking about it and feel like it wasn't even that bad, what you want about, but that's why they probably overreacting to that extent. And I don't know if you've seen, but Russell Martin has actually said they're going to be filing a video compilation to the FA about... Um, 
these incidents that keep going against us. Like, and we know nothing will come of that, but it's interesting to see him say it. Just no, talk about I, the first one. Go on, if you want to. No, I really rate that, actually, because just before the international break, we had a really horrendous decision where the ball was way over the line. Oh. A player kicks it further back into the net and that player's called offside and the goal disallowed. And it's like blatantly obvious the ball went over the line before anybody Surely, like, goal line technology would trigger before the ball is kicked. I don't know. I don't know if it was like that weird thing in the relegation battle two seasons ago where it just wasn't switched on, but no. <laughs> and Neil Critchley came out afterwards and was like, that's not on. The referees always think it's little old Blackpool which is going to sit there and take it. We're absolutely not. Yeah. He did the same thing. And obviously we've had this result today where the referees have maybe been looked upon us a little bit more favourably. So yeah. absolutely rate Russell Martin kind of going staking his claim. I think you've absolutely got to in this league with a standard of officiating. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to get walked all over. It's it's yeah. just a shame because, um, and like, like I said, it does make you think every little incident is going against you now because you mm-hmm. haven't had one that's gone for you. Um, so, yeah, Rose tinted the glasses with some of them perhaps. But um, I think Keith Stroud was a referee, wasn't he? And I know he hasn't got a good reputation. Yeah. So I think other teams have been frustrated with him in the past quite a lot actually so I'm surprised that he hasn't had more questions asked about him but anyway the first penalty incident so Ethan led no it wasn't Ethan led the first one I'm lying it was Joel Perot um, a really good ball actually over the top from Cham so mm-hmm. we didn't create many chances this is probably one of the other better ones that we actually did manage to create I think Joel Perot couldn't quite bring the ball under control well enough and he does he tangles with the, the Blackpool player forgive me if I say his name wrong Ek Petita? Yeah, Marvin Ek Petita. Okay. So, from the replay, it looks like Jopro's running on, he's running alongside him. There's a bit of a tangle in the legs. It looks like Ek Petita's legs tangle from behind with Perot's. But for me, he's already lost the ball and I don't think he's going to score, regardless of being brought down. Um, I definitely think there was a little bit of contact that brings Perot down. Maybe, Maybe it's just one of them where you run in alongside each other and you tangle. So I can understand why it's not given. But I will say I don't think he's scoring even if he's not brought down because I think the keeper's already got the ball. He's yeah. he's gone a bit too far. I don't know what you yeah. mean of that one, Walid. That that's my impression of it. I think of the three, this is like the middle one. Yeah. Um you know, but I think ultimately it was right not to be given. As you say, Grimshaw was there, our keeper, he was out, he was ready, he needed yeah. to receive the ball. Pro was kind of control looked questionable. And I think actually Akpateta did get a little bit of the ball. Probably not enough for me to be comfortable, yeah. but enough of the ball. And one thing Ekpetet has been good at all season for us is those kind of last-ditch challenges. He's kind of got them right quite consistently. And so normally when I see something like that, my first reaction to Blackpool fun is, it's okay. Marvin Ekpetet is very good at that. Um, yeah. And that also probably filters a little bit into how Blackpool players, Blackpool fans saw that instant. You know, we... We were kind of reasonably confident. Yeah, he's okay there. We probably got off a bit lucky to not, you know, that Swansea didn't make more of it, but it's not yeah. a penalty. I think, it, yeah, it's one of them that it could have been given. I think if Perot, maybe if he's just about to strike the ball, maybe it would have been different then. But in the circumstances, I think that is correct in the end. Alex, you were right by it when it happened. So I don't know what perspective yeah, you've got from it in the stadium. I can't remember what I said in our group chat. Now, you um, did say you didn't think it was one. I, I, I personally thought that he went down slightly too easily, but yeah. it was mainly 
because I think my perspective there was because the touch, his initial touch wasn't brilliant, which led to the ball being yeah. further away. Um, and they just sort of tangoed and ended yeah. up on the floor. So like he takes um, a bad touch and then he's trying to get a, yeah. uh, make more of it. it was, like, get I, get yeah. I was on the other end of the pitch and I'm there messaging, that should be a penalty. And he's like, nah, well, not bad. So yeah, he could, <laughs> you know, yeah. in the stadium, you know what it's like. Moving on to the second one then, um, Ethan led then, We've seen this actually a couple of times. This is one of the ones that keeps happening that we never get. But this, I think, definitely isn't one. But there's the same same incidents happened in a few other games where there's more contact, and I think it should have been one. But on on this occasion, I just think to be fair, the Blackpool player is just stronger, and Ethan Led comes across. He tries to use his body to push the Blackpool player over or something, and just goes down. Um, so yeah, I just don't think I don't think there's much enough yeah. in that for me. Um, for yeah, context, he, he's playing through and he's running in, and they run into each other and leads on the floor. That's basically what happens. I think we were opposites this time, so I think yeah. I was like, "That's a penalty," and you're like, "Nah." And then John, one of the other guys, was like, "I've just watched a replay. He went down way too easy." Yeah. Um. So <laughs> so that was yeah. Two different. Yeah. Uh, I guess if views you agree again. on that one as well, Connor. Then you said if the other one was yeah. the middle. We had a similar reaction to Ali in that kind of Blackpool Twitter was very much we got lucky that should have been a penalty. And then we yeah. saw the replay a couple of times and that now actually, you know, Reese James did re- I think it's Reese James was yeah, the Blackpool was, player. Yeah. He did just did a really good job kind of using his strength, holding the kind of job holding Ethan Laird off, you know, and I think fair play to him. Um I think of the three, this was probably like the softest. I think yeah. I would have been felt most hard done by if this had been given. But as you say, you know, you've seen them given, particularly in the Premier League last season. You know that would have been given, yeah, you know, seven times out of ten. VAR might even give that sometimes the way the Premier yeah. League went last season, and you just you'd be annoyed though. I understand. if that was against us, I'd be annoyed. So I mean, we would have taken it because always... we do a penalty. But yeah, <laughs> we'd be, I'd be annoyed if I was in your shoes then. I think that's always the ultimate test. Um, like, if you were the other like other set of fans looking at that incident the other way around, would you be equally livid? You know. Yeah. Okay, I'll ask you to lead on this one then. The third incident, Connor. Led again, brought down in the box. What did you make of this one? I think the way he's initially brought down. I think maybe again by. Potato could have been James isn't and isn't isn't a penalty, but then James' husband um, or kind of left centre back decides to get involved, and I think leaves a little bit of a stamp or a kick on Ethan Led, kind of either as he's going down or you know just after he's hit the floor, and to me that's not on. To me that's a nailed on pen. You know that that they just seemed quite unnecessary. Yeah, um, and you know. Maybe listeners don't trust the man in a man bun. You know, not a fan of James Husband's hairstyle. <laughs> but I think I think I thought that was really naughty by James Husband. Yeah. And I think Blackpool were really lucky that that little bit of dark arts, which I'd like to think is uncharacteristic of us as a side, I think we're really lucky that went unnoticed. This is the one I was right by this one, and this is the one that infuriated me because I just don't understand how the ref has not given that one. Um, Russell Martin is the one. This is the one he was speaking about most afterwards, and he said the referee said to him, "There just wasn't enough contact." But you've seen con, you've seen contact in the box to bring the player down. How can you say there's not enough contact for a penalty? They didn't know the goalposts changed all of a sudden to like 
deem us a foul in or outside the box, but there we go. Um, yeah, so I agree. He's, he comes into the box and Cabango plays him in and he does a little bit of a spin. Kind of trips over his own feet a little bit, but then is there's a bit of a you know a leg you're there from I'm not sure which one of your defenders it was, and he does go down, but he gets back up. I don't think there's any incident up until this point, and then he kind of knocks the ball away. I think it's from husband, and then mm-hmm. there's a leg onto his standing leg, yeah, like some sort of stamp or a kick. I don't know if he was intentional. I think Ethan Led's quite quick and nippy with the ball, and only watch it in real time. He does it quite often where he can knock the ball past a player and that's how he gets brought down so much and that's why all these penalties are saying that we should have had like 90% of them have been with him. Um, so I, I'm not sure there's much necessarily intent to a stamp that I will I'll stick up for the the man button there but <laughs> but um, I definitely think there's enough there for a penalty because there's no ball contact and he's brought him down as far as I'm concerned. It's a standing leg and there's contact on his standing leg and it brings him down so don't really understand how the refs missed it and again looking at the bigger picture as much as the other two might have been a bit softer you're just thinking at this point like literally what does it take for the referee to blow that whistle because this at this point in the game is 1-0 to the Swans and 2-0 it does change the picture of the match yeah the 2-0 with that much possession and the side that that's used to dominating games if you score a second goal and the three points are in the bag because you yeah. can just Knock it about, use your really well-trained possession as a defensive tactic and kill the game off. Yeah, but, you know, the ref didn't blow the whistle. Um, I think husband looked a little bit guilty mind when I saw the replay. I think he knew what he had done and got away with one. But, you know, you got to play to the whistle on a fair play. Like I said, Blackpool went on then to maybe come at us a bit more and deserved the point. But, Alid, what did you make of it from your angle? You were on the other end of the pitch for this one. To be honest, from where I was sat, I couldn't see much. Um, I just saw a bit of a scramble, player on the floor, and then sort of the players raise their hands. It was the angles weren't right for me um, there, and I think at the time, literally just like as it happened, or you know, there were cheers, and that's when I sort of looked because he got the got through. Um, and then he was brought down, but I didn't really see much because yeah. of where I was sat. And, no, that's you know. fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a good chat so far. So, is there anything else, Connor, from this game that we haven't discussed that you want to touch on before we wrap up? Because I did say half an hour, and it's been longer, so I do apologise. But <laughs> you know, when you start talking fun. about football, it uh, it can take you take you away. Yeah, it's been good fun. Um, I don't have anything further I want to raise. I'm looking forward to seeing the Russell Martin highlight reel, you know, <laughs> montage of referee incompetence. I hope that picks up its way to There's the a public thread on Twitter. one day. I hope, yeah, I hope that gets out. Yeah. There's a thread maybe on play- Twitter, someone's already done it, where they've done a replay of everyone, and it's like every tweet is like added the next one and the next one and the next one. Some of them look a bit softer than others, but when you add them all together and you haven't had one decision, like I said, that's when you get annoyed, but carry on. Yeah, put it put it all together in a single video. Stick some Benny Hill music on top. You got you know you got yourself a good meme there. Yeah, let's uh, might uh, write that down now. Note, note for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, well, look, um, it was a good game, and I hope Blackpool continue to do well this season. Um, you know, it's nice nice to have, like I said before, different teams in the league. Like we haven't played too much. In, in the mm. last 10, 20 years, I don't think. So it's good to have like 
different teams to be able to go to as an away game and stuff like that because it's one I definitely want to get to is Blackpool away. I don't know if we'll make it this year, but um, it's definitely one I want to go to. It's a couple of reasons. Partly because I want to go to the Pleasure Beach, but um, <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. I want I, I would like to visit Blackpool. It's, it's just one of them locations, isn't it? It's like um, everyone loves to go on a trip up there, a couple of drinks, and a uh, good night out. Yeah, and you'd be more than welcome. Let us know when you're up there. Um, will do. And yeah, we will see you again in the playoffs. Yeah, we'll 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 see you in the. Well, playoffs that's the second there. leg before then, of course. Yeah. You know, if we get to the playoffs this year, though, like you know, we got semi-finals and then we got to the final you sure you want to play us this time the next step it's only, it's only Blackpool, are the, Blackpool are the playoff kings we get like anywhere in those four spots Premier League is guaranteed there's no Stephen Dobby yeah. this time for either of us so <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and cheers for joining Anid obviously this video will yeah. be put into another video where we'll probably discuss the aftermath of the midweek game I believe it's Barnsley is it we've got tomorrow uh, I want to say, yeah. and it read read in on the weekend. Um, That's going to be a culture. Yeah, Barnsley away, Reading on the weekend, as you said. Yeah, well, I mean, another three three game a week, um, quite hefty on the schedule. So, yeah, we'll transition into that now. So, thanks for coming, Connor. Do you want to remind everyone where they can find you and your podcast, please? Yeah, you can find us at Seasiders Pod on Twitter, and then just type Seasiders Podcast into wherever you normally get your podcasts if you'd. Like to re-listen to the match preview show and see how right or wrong we got it. Yeah, you can see see what rubbish I spoke about the Swans before kickoff that didn't come true. But um, so check that out, and we shall catch you in a bit. So thanks again. See you soon. Okay, yeah. So that was an interesting uh, conversation there on the Blackpool game. Um, before we move on, though, I'm sure I know you didn't manage to get to the game this week, but. What did you make of the highlights, or so specifically the penalty incidents? That was the main talking point. Yeah, I was uh, I was in Wrexham on the weekend. <laughs> oh my god! Changing allegiances now to Ryan Reynolds. Eh? Scout in. <laughs> I was. I, I I tried to go to the game, but uh, my partner was having none of it. But luckily, uh, it was nil nil, so I dodged a bullet there. Um, yeah, I saw the highlights, but uh, yeah, the penalties. Just like I was saying to you earlier before we started recording. The the second one on lead is 100 percent a penalty. It's ridiculous. Like he clearly makes contact with him. I, I I don't know how we're not getting these. At least no. three or four we should have had this year now. And it's getting a bit ridiculous now. There was another um, one in that match that there wasn't really talked about, um, and it wasn't on the highlights. So I can't 100 percent like guarantee that it was definitely a penalty shot or not. Basically, Patterson's running through on a ball into the box, but it was kind of going like a diagonal into the corner through the box, if you like. But he was getting to the ball. Um, I think he'd taken a couple of touches, actually, to get to that point, so he was actually running with the ball, but taking heavy touches. And there's a player, a defender running behind him, and he literally, two hands on his back, pushes him over onto the floor. I can't remember 100% if he was in the box or just outside. It was it was bored to line like, but I have really seen many people mentioning that one, and it wasn't in the highlights, so I couldn't confirm whether... It was inside or not, but he literally just puts his hands on his back and pushes him to the floor. But the the ref didn't blow up or nothing, so it's just after. I think that was like that would have been. I think it was after all of the other incidents, actually. So <laughs> as much as it, I'm not hundred percent sure it would have been a penalty or not. After you've had the three turned down already, you think at the time everyone was like, "Yeah, it should be a penalty," but yeah, it depends who's in the box. Just to balance out. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, moving Listen, on from... Have we, we, we haven't had a penalty this season, have we? Have we? No, we haven't. I mean, I think Keith has definitely had a word with the uh, the refs about not giving us penalties this year. With you, are we the only team? We must be the only team. Surely everyone's had a penalty by now. <laughs> I haven't seen the stats on that, but we're definitely down the lower half of... Um, the, the lower teams in terms of the, how many penalties. That's me though. The the first one on lead on Saturday. Not pen. He's dangling his foot in again, looking for it. So with lead, he's kind of got. I don't know. It's there's. He's not helping himself, is he? He's not helping himself, but it's not. Like we were saying earlier again, it wasn't. It wasn't a dive. He is doing that thing that Sterling does so well. He's just yeah. dangling the foot in, trying to get contact. You do see it from players that one. are really quick, though. They go down a lot easier. Yeah. It's like if you're running yeah. a bit quicker, you lose your balance a little bit easier. I'm not saying that's what it is, but like he could just, if he just does what he's doing, he's going to get brought down anyway, so he doesn't need to necessarily go down so easy. Yeah, but that being said, we should have had at least three or four. Yeah, he's had a couple that have been turned down, so maybe at the same time, He's there thinking, like, what do I actually need to do to get one? Maybe I'll try and oh yeah, make more yeah. of a meal of it, and then that's not working either. So, well, if yeah. you say like he's had how many shouts has he had this year? What six, seven, eight, maybe? Well, they're all like you could say they're all what, like 50, 50 what, decisions. Uh, is it Chris O'Leary that was in the commentary was saying? Oh, it was like his eighth, ninth, or tenth shout or something this season. Yeah, they've all gone against us. Yeah, all of them. Well, it's got to end eventually. Maybe this video review that um. Russell Martin has put together for the Referees Association or whatever the FA will actually amount to something but I'm pretty sure we've had one before maybe under Gary Monk I think I it was that season one. where we yeah. had like a red card every game for the first like yeah. half a season pretty much yeah I remember that that was brilliant that was remember but, the Wilfred Boney one I think it was against Southampton his, face, his foot was just up here in someone's face <laughs> but yeah we had a few dodgy ones and they sent off a video didn't they yeah that's what I mean, you'll get less penalties now. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the red cards seem to stop after that, so maybe the penalties will start to come after this. Who knows? <laughs> It'd be funny when we get one. It'd just be the biggest cheer, cheer ever, yeah. and then miss it. Yeah. Well, moving on anyway, today we played Barnsley away. Um, if you're watching this, it's probably not today. It's probably yesterday or earlier this week, or whenever you're watching. But um, Swansea went away to Barnsley and came away with three points, so continuing an improvement on the road after, maybe not after the Bournemouth game, but after the Coventry game as well. It's just like two wins and last three on the on the road. Obviously, Barnsley are down the bottom end of the table, so maybe one that you'd aim for if you're going to come away with three points. It's one of the ones that you'd be looking to get a win. Um, however, I think it's a bit of a I don't want to say tale of two halves, who are quite similar in a way, but the second half I think with tiredness maybe of Barnsley come into it, a couple of substitutions that's what got us to win in the end but let's start from the beginning there's not really much to talk about in the first half um, it might have been one of the worst halves of football I've ever seen well yeah I think I tuned in about 15 minutes in and I couldn't tell you a highlight it was literally only at the end of the half where like Perot hit one just wide and led oh, and, yeah, a, yeah. and a header but that was right at the end of the half and apart from that I don't think Anything happened? No, it was pretty dull, I'll be honest. Um, not much happened at all. I don't think Barnsley really even did anything 
Uh, obviously, they got a recently new manager as well because they've not had a great season so far. When you compare the highs of last season where they were unexpectedly in the playoffs, no one expected them to get to where they did. Obviously, we knocked them out in the semi-finals. Um, but really good achievement for them. It's gone to the complete other end of the spectrum, and I know that's because they lost like the manager and their main player in the summer to West Brom, if I'm yeah. correct. So the game style has probably changed quite a bit, but it's not really working for them regardless of uh, what they've brought in. So they've already got a second manager this season. But um, I thought they, I thought they were awful. It's like, um, tonight, I thought they were absolutely terrible. They were set up to point. defend, weren't they? They were set up to like just not. Oh, I know. Yeah. Um, and we do struggle sometimes against teams like that. Kind of like Blackpool in a way were. They they matched our shape to sort of defend against us, although they were pressing us perhaps a bit more than Barnsley did. Um, we struggled to break them down. I guess we actually had a couple more chances or got into the box a few more times against Blackpool, maybe because they were coming at us a little bit more. But Barnsley sitting deep, it took us a long time to get going. So let's go straight to the second half where the action actually happened then. Um, and actually after the 70, 70th minute, we actually scored in the 74th. After we've made a couple of substitutions, so Oliver and Cham came on for Flynn Downs and Corey Smith moved back into more of a central role then, which makes sense. And Ryan Manning actually came on at left wing back, which is not somewhere we see him very often these days. Um, Jake Big Bidwell making way. Obviously, there has been occasions where one hasn't started and the other one has and they usually get subbed on um, or subbed off. But Kabango obviously kept his place from the weekend, which I actually was a bit surprised at. Not because he didn't play well, but I just thought he would revert back to his uh, normal back three. But maybe going forward, that's a sign that he's going to have more trust in playing actual centre-backs there. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I still think Kabango's touch is off sometimes. It definitely is, and it definitely was oh, against Blackpool the other day. If you were in the stadium, there's a couple of nervy moments there. Um, but he had a decent game tonight otherwise, I think. Yeah. Um, although he's the one that kind of plays in a different place depending on who he's with like Bennett slotted back in on the right where Cabango played against Blackpool so he's had to go to the left so you know he's not getting the consistency of having the same slot all the time which I think you've got to give him that as a benefit of the doubt but the reason I was talking about that mainly was because obviously Manning's come on for Bidwell and he actually got an assist yeah, it was a good ball as well, yeah. in all fairness. So he comes on, and one of his first actions was to get the assist for our opener, which was Oliver and Cham, who scored a bit of a tap-in, really. Just uh, fizzes a ball across the box, and Cham gets there first and taps it in. Yeah, I like, I like to say that ball in for Manning. Made the goal, didn't it? And just yeah, put it on a plate for him. But maybe it was just like um, just having someone else attacking down that flank, because Bidwell was attacking down that flank all first half and then just not getting anything yeah. out of it. So not another bid well played like bad, but just maybe just having someone different in there caught him cold a bit. Be defending for, you know, seventy minutes. But obviously just having someone else running you. There's not really been any competition for Bidwell. Now he knows Manning's perhaps got his slot in centre back. He hasn't got any competition. So Manning coming yeah. on at that in that role and getting an assist as soon as he comes on the pitch perhaps keeps him on his toes and can get him to up his game or gives us the option of playing Manning there. Which I, I said from day one I thought he would do a better job in this system there than Bidwell would. 
Yeah, no, I'd like to see Manning have a bit more of a run out there as well, just to, just for a bit of a change. That's the one that did me on my uh, on my selection though, because I had everything right apart from um, I had Manning and Bidwell starting. I did an unchanged lineup other than Ryan Bennett coming back in, but I took Cabango out. Um, obviously, I got Corey Smith wrong as well because of oh, I put Corey Smith in. I thought he does. He likes to do that away from home now. I think doesn't he? Smith in. Play Corey Smith. Yeah, Smith in with Downs and Grimes behind and that's and then not just he likes to do that. Yeah. Fair enough. Um and it wasn't long after the first goal that we scored our second, which was this just came from uh, Joe Peru, again that little partnership assisting Jimmy Patterson. But I think it was more of a like he's passed to Patterson and Patterson's kind of made the goal. Yeah. Um, yeah, he does. His space opens up for him, lovely, doesn't it? But yeah, he just gets himself a little bit of space on the edge of the box, and he just sits into the bottom right corner. But the way that he finishes it was a bit weird. It was like he just passes it into the net, but you think like, oh, you know, it's not the quickest shot, it's not the strongest shot. Keeper could probably get it, but the keeper wasn't really anywhere near. No, I think he had so many options. Like the space opened up to him, he had about three players running through. He had so many options, and he just takes the snapshot. It was a good strike, to be fair. We just caught the keeper a bit cold, but yeah, I thought it was a good strike. Yeah, it was good. Um, any other highlights for you then, or any players that stood out? What do you notice? No, no, not really. I think it was just um, good away performance. Or like if the team is just going to sit in and try and do that. I mean, the first half was poor, but it was more just like a slow poison, wasn't it? It was just like pass them to death until they crack, essentially. So they were patient, in all fairness, as a unit. I will say that was uh, that was good because they just they just stuck to it. They just kept passing that ball, and what do they have? Oh, four million passes again. <laughs> well, let's have and a look at the uh, stats in terms of the passes. Then, so we had seventy nine percent possession, which is one of our highest this season. Um, we actually ended up having six shots to three, with three on target to one. So, as much as we didn't, I don't think we had a shot on half until our goal. A, sh- a shot on half, a shot on target until our goal. We ended with three. Obviously, two of them went in. Um, 895 passes with 811 of them successful. 91% pass accuracy. So, That's ridiculous high, numbers. Pretty high numbers there. No, I'm not. You know, I'm not one for stats. I don't really like stats, but it's just, and the numbers that they're putting together, like passing stats, are absolutely ridiculous at the moment. Well, I mean... We're going to talk about it a bit later on, but Matt Grimes credited some of this in part of the reason why he's signed a new contract. So the fact that, in his words, we're demolishing teams with our style. That's what he said. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I mean, like like tonight's game was like a, a bit of a hindsight one, wasn't it? When I was watching it, you're like, oh my God, nothing is happening. But then when you look back at the game, no, they won 2-0. It was just literally passing the team to death, wasn't it? Until yeah. they cracked. And Man City um, do that often as well, and they don't necessarily always score really early. And teams defend well against them, and they get a goal in the second half. And yeah. sometimes the floodgates open. Sometimes they just get a second. Like as soon as you get that first goal, and I said this to you tonight, like as soon as we go one 0 up, it's always it always looks a lot better because all of a sudden yeah. there's more space, there's more gaps. That team's now got to come at you because they can't sit back. Yeah. It always suits us more. But it's getting that first goal. Sometimes you know we've been lucky. We've had it really quick lately. Other times you've got to pass the team to death and they get tired and eventually a gap opens up and you take advantage. It is going to be frustrating though because like it's 
everyone knows the way we play now. So I think you'll get a lot of games like this away from home and teams coming down are just going to sit in for ages and we may get like some frustrating nil-nils or, you know, still or losing one nil when someone gets a bit of a smash and grab against us. Yeah. Um, it's just going to happen. But, you know, when you have 80% possession in a game, you know, you, you're bound, you, you, at some point you're bound to get a chance to win it, aren't you? Yeah, that's the only. Th- that's probably the only thing that that's probably keeping us from like the higher part of the table is the fact that we could probably be a bit more sort of direct in the final third. You know, and like yeah. Man said, he keeps the ball constantly, don't they? But then when they get into that, like, like just outside the box, they sort of inject a bit of pace, don't they? And you've got like Sterling and Silver and De Bruyne just running everywhere. So I think if we, that's probably the only area that's I stopping think, us from. Yeah, I think you're right. Indeed. I think you're right, but I think like. That's where the likes of having Corey Smith in the team maybe lets you yeah. down a little bit. And you saw when Tram came on, there oh, was a little difference. bit more directness and emphasis going forward. Like, would Corey Smith, Corey Smith, made that run into the box to score that goal? Um, I think he was still on with Corey Smith. I mean, I thought that yeah, he dropped back. When, yeah, but when Cham came on, I thought he looked quite deep when he first came on in Cham. So I don't know. Yeah, if he... I noticed that as well. But I think when he first came on, they did just. He slotted into where Downs was, and there was, I don't know what it was, the ball went out or something, and they switched. Um, oh, after yeah. the goal was scored, they had definitely switched to that point, but I'm, I'm assuming they'd already switched for the fact that he's made that run into the box. Because um, he was further player for them. I think and Cham is the key as well. Like, we've obviously, Patterson has been brilliant in that sort of area, but I think he can't carry it all season. I think and Cham will be key. I don't know whether it's still. Fitness because he doesn't, yeah, um, start every game. When he does, and he's playing well. He's you know, like tonight when he came on, massive difference, change the game. Well, it might be a defensive thing, like what you said about being away. He just likes to sol- uh, being solid maybe. before and then attack at the end after you've tied the teams out. Yeah, to be fair, when you go away from home, and you know he likes to play sort of two behind the striker, doesn't he? Is probably really attacking when you've got wing backs really high up and two sort of attack minded midfielders behind the striker is quite. Big shout to do that away from home. Yeah. I just want to highlight what I noticed in the Blackpool game and just continued obviously into this one. Obviously, I was at the Blackpool game, so I was looking at it a little bit more in detail in person. And I don't want to talk about specifically that game, but just in terms of the system. Um, Kyle Norton and Matt Grimes, for me, are so vital in the middle of the park. Um, you can include Flynn Downs in here as well, but I think overly these two. So... Norton had a 97% passing accuracy with 162 passes completed. And Grimes had 95% with 147 passes completed. I just think, like, those two are operating so, so important jobs. Such important jobs in the middle. Um, everything's going through him. Norton clears everything up at the back. He picks the ball up from the keeper and tries to spread in the play. Um, which, he's become, like, a massive key player under Russell Martin, which is weird, considering he's in the middle of the back three, and he's so vital there. Man, and he's playing every game now. Like, how many times last season did he have to, like, play two games, and then he was out for two, and then he came back in, and then he was, he was out again? He Connor Roberts for right back, wasn't he? And then, obviously, playing three of the back as well, with Steve Cooper, but obviously we had Kihi, Cabango, Bennett, so, you know, he was... But now he's, like, yeah. literally... I don't think I think he's the one that's just not going to get dropped out of the back three for any reason. Yeah, worried if he gets injured though. Yeah, 
But um, I think underdog so far for me, underdog shout for um, being in the conversation for player of the season so far. Norton. Yeah. Obviously, you're going to have Patterson in there and you're going to have Pirro in there. But he's going to be in the conversation for the job that he's doing in that back three. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. He's been class. So I say again, I don't like I said I don't really like the stats, but there was one the other day, I can't remember if I showed you, it was like um I don't know, it was some sort of weird graph between like how many passes a player makes and how how long the passes are. And uh, it was like a lot of cluster of defenders, sort of long ball few passes in a game. It was like Kyle Norton now there on his own, which was like more passes in a game that were shorter. Just just clear difference from the right. rest of the league, it was just all out there on his own. Yeah, so obviously that's the way we play, isn't it? But yeah, out, the fact of, that accurate, he is, eh? out of those accurate passes you mentioned in long balls, did eleven long balls. Ten of them were accurate as well. So yeah. it's hard to what be accurate with the long ball. What constitutes a long ball for us? Probably going to the fullback. <laughs> I think they do, oh, they in, do try and in, ping in it up to. Um, they try and ping it up to the wing back sometimes, don't they? Yeah. Um, but yeah, solid from those two. I think Crimes as well. Obviously, so important. A very good news that he signed his new contract. Um, everything goes through those two. I think they are vital in the middle. They're like the core of the team. I know not much change in the rest of the personnel at the moment as well, but those two specifically, I think, are worth highlighting. Um, for this match, then, I don't know, man, of the match is it's a bit tough. I guess maybe. Actually, don't know. I don't know who I would give Man of the Match to. No, nah, it was perhaps, hard, isn't it, like I said. Perhaps Crimes, just, just for it. keeping us ticking, because if the job was to tie them out and keep us keeping the ball and passing yeah. around, then he's done a good job there. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. It was more just a unit performance, wasn't it? Just to be, be able to keep the ball and keep patience for that long. Yeah. Um. It, yeah, just like I said, it was like a slow poison. It just got them in the end. But uh, yeah, like I was hard to pick a man of the match. I think uh, yeah, Grimes in the middle, Downs was good as, as well. Yeah, I mean, Patterson had a good finish with his goal, so I guess he could put his hand up and uh, you could have a shout there. As much as like, I was looking at maybe who who opened the scoring, but I don't know. Manning and Cham for thirty minute cameo. They didn't do bad, but I think the others did a good job anyway for the entire match to have a bigger shout of man of the match, but. Yeah. yeah, let's move on anyway. Um, a little bit of news to talk about this week. We've already touched on it a couple of times. So, word of Wine Street is then that Matt Grimes signed a new contract for Swansea City. We're a bit delayed on this because we didn't do a podcast last week. But, um, pretty sure we were told that this was never going to happen. And that we definitely should have let him go in the summer for two million because now he's going to go on a free. I mean, looks like uh, we did a bit of good, good bit of business in the end. Well, yeah. I mean, he's not going to go on a free, and if he does, guess look, he could technically he could still go in January, he could still go in the summer, but he's not going for two million. Nowhere near two million. In uh, yeah, no, not now, not with his contract. But in uh, if you look back in hindsight, now it was just the 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 most the perfect outcome happened, didn't it? He didn't leave. Um, he's now slotted in, and like. Playing football that everybody wants to see, and he's at the heart of that, which we knew he would be. Um, because everyone was crying out for us to play passing football, and we said he's the type of player that you need in the middle. And, and again, not we said before to I me, mean, nobody likes to admit it that he's like 
sort of adopted the Leon Britton role, isn't he, in that system? Yeah. Um, and he signed a new contract. Uh, so, perfect. And now he's getting all applauded, so he finally deserves, I think. Yeah. And Russell We've Martin. been sort of trying to back him for a couple of years, but I think he's finally getting the getting the recognition now. Russell Martin said he wanted to build this team around him, and he's already starting to do that. Russell Martin also said that he thought Grimes was going to be gone in the summer. And look, it was close to happening by all accounts. He nearly went to Fulham. Fulham made a bid. But we gave a lot of stick to the board for the transfer fees and that in the summer um, for some of the players. But they rejected the one for Grimes because it didn't meet their valuation. And that's the only reason why he didn't go um, by all accounts. So credit where credit's due. They've rejected it. They've held firm and they've got him a new contract that he's agreed to now obviously there's reasons why he's, he's uh, signed on he says the decision was because he wanted to stay here he, he actually said that like he he thought he was going to go to Fulham in the summer but he didn't really want to go he just thought it was just going to be one of them things you know where he's just got to move on um, but he's look well in his interviews talking about how like he's happy how it's turned out that he's not gone there, and that he feels like he's enjoying his football now more than he would be if he was playing in Fulham right now, which is a weird thing to say when they're sitting top of the league. Yeah, no, I didn't get what he means, though. It's like, how much game time would he be having? Yeah. Um, don't ne- probably don't necessarily play yeah. you know, the same football that we do. Maybe they, you know, they do pass it around a bit, but not not quite as much. Um, so would, would he have slotted in? Like He's probably... You know, and he's stayed here and Russell Martin's come in and playing the brand of football that he is and he's just thinking, oh my God, this is just the perfect type of football for me in my position that I'm most comfortable. Yeah. Think of all the times like when obviously we were playing that football under Porter and he was playing left back and then obviously he was playing with Cooper who didn't necessarily play that football. Now he's thinking, thank God I, that it's worked out that I'm here. And he's probably, yeah, like you said, he's probably more, the most happy he's been in his career playing that type of football in that position. He's just suited to it. So so this is what he, yeah, exactly. This is what he specifically said. The decision was made because I want to stay here. It was not a case of signing for another year or two so the club could get more money for me. That was not the case at all. I went to the manager and I said I wouldn't be part of this project. To be honest with you, it would have absolutely broken my heart if I had ended up at another championship team and had to play against this style of football and been battered the way we have battered teams. I had to be part of it. I went straight in and I said, I want to sign a new deal here. It was never a case of getting a few extra quid by selling me. That's not part of the plan at all. I want to be here to take this club back to the Premier League. So, fair play. Yeah, spot on. Fair play to him. So I, I, think, it's great. I think it's just all going um, up at the moment, isn't it? Touch wood. I know. We, we'll, we'll guess, again, we said we, we'll get some dodgy results along the way, but you know, having Grimes sign a new contract is a massive step. You know, he wants to be here now. We can see that he's buying in um, what Russell Martin is doing. He said, you know, I want to try and get us back to the Premier League. I'm sure we'll add more players along the way as well. Players will want to come and play for us now because it's well documented. All the pundits are talking about you know, <coughs> we play, the number of passes that we're doing and all the stats that back it up. So, um, more to follow, I think. Yeah, well, that's what Russell Martin was saying, that the fact that this news has come out, um, it's going to help them with the other transfer business. Um, he's saying, basically, obviously, it's kind of like a coup for the club. 
everyone has already written it off in terms of crimes going. He said he had agents talking to him about it, and uh, when he was saying, like, oh, you know, I want to keep him, they were basically laughing at him. And uh, he said he can't wait now to speak to the same agents to see what they got to say now, basically. But, um, uh, yeah, so hopefully, you know, it will turn a couple of heads when maybe they were considering, yes, should I go there, should I maybe not go there, but seeing us keep a player of that talent is obviously going to be a good thing going forward. Um, got a question for you. Would you still not have let Grimes go to have Fosu on loan for one year? No. No chance. But think of all the goals we could have scored if we had Fosu and loan for the year. I don't remember that. All that. Should have let Grimes go and got for and get Fosu in. Imagine that. Like yeah. a club captain got... going for two million pounds. Then you try and offer him a new deal and get someone in on loan. <laughs> and then not not signed in charm as well as a result. Well, I mean good thing they don't look a swan's Twitter, eh? Anyway, it all changes, isn't it? It all changes. In other news, this week, um, former manager Frankie Burrows passed away, which uh, is obviously sad news. So, yeah, he was uh, he was Swans Swans manager when we were both born. Indeed, so he obviously won yeah. the Welsh Cup and Football League trophy before he left in ninety five. Uh, started in ninety one, so obviously thoughts with his family. Um, but I think a lot of people are, are tweeting out and you know paying their respects to him. Obviously, had a good time with the club and is part of the history. So I'm sure next home game for Reading, I would assume there will be some form of clapping or minute silence or something for uh, yeah. to remember uh, Frankie Burrows. So take part in that if you're heading down. Um, <clears throat> the last thing as well I want to touch on then is uh, some players that didn't travel to the Barnsley game. So first of all, we've got Morgan Whitaker who didn't travel, which isn't necessarily surprising. But um, I've heard Lincoln are sniffing around, maybe going back in for a loan bid in January, which I don't think any of us would be surprised if he goes somewhere because he barely yeah. is featured. Surprised he didn't go in the, the summer, really. Because he's just, yeah, he's got to go out on loan and get some game time now, I think. Yeah. Just, there's just no point in him playing in you know, 23 games because... You know, no disrespect to that, but I mean, he needs compared. No, he needs first team compared to football now. Yeah, no, that's true. Same as like Kyle Joseph, who is doing quite well, and um, Ollie Cooper as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Jay Felton is apparently actively now seeking to leave in January. I guess like there's only so many games you can be not even on the bench before you decide enough's enough. Like he's at the he's not even at the age of Morgan Whitaker where he could try and. You know, hold it out. Really, he's what twenty seven, twenty eight. So he needs to, he needs to get going. He's in his prime, essentially. Um, you know, for me, I'm a bit gutted. I don't want him to go. I would much rather be part of the first team plans. And if it was me, that was a manager, and I'm not. It's just my opinion. I would have him in the squad over Corey Smith, but that's just my opinion. It showed. No, I, I, I agree with you, basically. But I think. What's happened is Downs has come in, hasn't he? Yeah. And he's sort of taken, he's sort of knocked um, Jay Fulton out of the pecking yeah, order. Which well, is fine. Russell Martin's pecking order. Obviously, he thinks he's bottom of the pecking order, but it just seems a bit, I'm with you, it seems a bit strange to me. It doesn't seem like he's, he did play a couple of games at the beginning of the season, but it seems like his mind was made up that 
he was just not going to be part of it. It's just um, like I get it, and I get like Downs maybe does same similar job, but can he even be on the bench then? Like, I know yeah. I would rather I him on the it. bench. Liam Walsh isn't getting on the pitch, so oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. If if you're going to bring Downs off like you did today, I know he brought on um, Cham and put and swapped him and Smith, but like you could also have brought I don't know Smith could have come off for Falton. I think that's more of a like for like if. Because Walsh isn't getting on the pitch either, is he? So <coughs> I wonder if um, I wonder if uh, you know because Grimes, the, the Grimes situation sort of went into deadline day, didn't it? Like he still could have gone. Um, I think we were all still expecting him to go on deadline day. So I wonder if you know Fulton was maybe moving on, um, or maybe wanted to move on, um, but they were saying, "Well, we can't let you go in case Grimes goes." And then obviously Grimes stayed, and then he's just he's just not playing now. Yeah, so we've got one too many midfielders, basically. Yeah, yeah, we definitely have. Yeah, maybe Downs was sort of brought in as a as a Grimes replacement, a potential replacement. Um, and then obviously Grimes didn't go, and now we signed a new contract that so just leaves, well, either Corey Smith or Fulton out in the wilderness, and obviously he prefers Corey Smith, but guaranteed he's going to go Forest in January. Yeah, unless some miraculous change of fortunes happens, I think. We may not see Falter in a swan shoot again, um, which is sad because he's been a good servant, and I think he is the longest-serving player in the squad right now. Yeah, I like Fulton. I Brought him in, in the Premier right. League in the youth team. I think it was Gary Monk that gave him his debut. But um, yeah, and then he was a bit of a stalwart when we came down, like to the sort of the rebuild from getting relegated. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you've got to refresh the squad, I guess, and it, just, it happens. But um, yeah, it's just one of them ones that's a bit. Sad for me. Anyway, the last could you could could you uh, could you could you argue a little bit that like I got a lot of time for Fulton. I think he's brilliant. Would he would he be that level to be like sort of top top end of the league, lower end of Premiership player? I'd say probably. I think if we went up though, you'd you'd bring someone in then and replace him. I just think like I don't I I don't want to sound so harsh on Corey Smith, but I just don't know what he does. More than what Fulton does. I haven't actually seen what Corey Smith's really brought. You know, when he's playing in this attacking role, especially. And when he's put yeah, back just... into the two, I just think Fulton does a better job of putting in a bit of a heavy tackle and sweeping up now and like now and then. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't mind Corey Smith. I think he's, I think he's decent. But yeah, I get what you're saying. I don't mind him but, at all. Yeah. But if I got to pick between the two. I personally think Felton's better, but like that's my opinion. Um, I'm not yeah, saying it's no. like a night and day difference. It's not like no, I, no, I get what you're saying. But um, I agree with you. But that's but I don't know what I agree with you. That's what makes me think that um, he was going anyway. Or it's always been in the pipeline that he's going. Um, then I don't know. Well, like obviously, he played a couple of games at the beginning of the season. And he well, made he was, he was maybe that was like didn't he, at the start. Yeah, but maybe that was like a, you know, all right, you didn't get your move. Maybe this is this is all speculation. We have no idea. You know, all right, okay, you didn't get your move. I'll give you know, I'll give you a run out. You give him a captaincy for a game, didn't he? And then yeah, Brighton maybe game. just maybe just didn't. Well, I, I didn't think he was that good in the Brighton game. Um, so maybe it was just the case of you know he was always wanted to go. So he's just not been in his plans. Yeah, maybe. Uh, the last player that wasn't included, which is the most kind of 
I don't know if bizarre is the right word or alarming or it, it asks questions. But as Michael Obafemi didn't travel, he came off the bench against Blackpool, uh, and then he played in the under twenty three match on Monday. But he's not gone. He's not part of the squad this time again for the away trip. I don't know what's going on with him. He's had a couple of like discipline issues, obviously, where Martin came up and was saying. Basically, he knew what he'd done wrong. They had a conversation and something had happened, basically. Some sort of discipline stuff. Um, it's not good signs, though, is it, for Obafemi? It's not been a good, easy start for him. It's, it's, there's been a bit of disruption there. Um, what is going on there? I just think, at the moment, and I hope I'm wrong, it's just got a flop written all over it. Like, just playing a couple of times off the bench, maybe, and then moving on at some point. Because... He said he's had discipline issues, all right, fair enough. But then he's back in the team and he comes off the bench and then he's and then he's out again. So does he keep doing does he just keep doing something wrong all the time or is it just I don't know. Well that's what it looks like to me, because he's like not playing. And he's in the squad and he came on, and he scored against Birmingham and he thought, right, here we go, he's gonna get back into it. And he's out of the squad again. And like you said, he's back in, he comes off the bench against Blackpool. You just think, right, he's gonna get game time now and then he's out he's out of the squad again. So is he keep doing something? I I don't know. Yeah. Um, it also looks like Reese Williams pretty much nailed on to get recalled in January as well, which we did discuss the potential of this in yeah, the, the last video. But I don't know what's happened there either. He hasn't really played since that Luton game where he had some abuse, didn't he? And then never really. I don't think he's ever come back into the squad properly since then. I just think he's he's. The defence is quite settled now, isn't it? We said it was changes every other match for the start of the season, but now it's been quite settled, and ever since, he's not been able to get a look in. Yeah, like Brandon Cooper was playing, and he's not getting a look in now either. Yeah. So, obviously, if Williams goes, there's a slot on the bench already there for Brandon Cooper, which isn't going to change much, really, there. I don't think we'd be weaker, necessarily. I think... Yeah, yeah, no, I, I thought Cooper was alright when he was playing at the start of the season. He was playing alright. But uh, I think we will, well, hopefully, I think we might get some movement in January. So if he's going back on loan, that means they'll probably bring someone else in on loan, I think. Um, you know, if Whitaker's probably going to go out on loan, Fulton is going to Fulton is going to go. Um, I'd imagine, like, Dander's going to go. Um, uh, who's Dander? Uh, it's just, he's, yeah, you know, he's not playing either. So maybe that opens up to. I think we need cover at the back though because you've got like Bennett, um, you know, loves the yellow card. But Latabodi is still knocking about as well, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's. Well, I think he's going to move on at some point as well, maybe in the summer. Yep, you can't just move everyone on. That's not playing. Oh no, no, I know not. Works, isn't it? Oh, no, I know that, but I mean, the players that do move on, you replace them with better players that fit into the system. Yeah. And how and how long a player is going to stay? You know, like if they're not playing, like Fulton's not playing, so he's going to go. Yeah. Atabodier only plays wing back when he plays, so like, how's how long is he going to be happy doing that? And what I mean is, <coughs> like now, for example, Reese Williams goes on loan. Maybe that means they bring in another centre half on loan that can cover, you know, Norton, for example, if he gets injured. Yeah, you've got better cover. I haven't seen anyone better options with at the moment. Uh, I saw us linked with Tom Lawrence, but. I think that was a load of rubbish. Yeah, I can't see that. Man. Yeah. 
Well, I don't think there's any more news. There's a couple of results tonight. Blackburn won 4 0 against Peterborough. It's probably the highlight. Uh, Cardiff losing at home to Hull as well is not great for them. Um, we've got QPR soon. They had a 1 0 win at home to Huddersfield. I'm not sure how Redden got off yesterday. Redden, yesterday, I can't remember. Uh, they played. Uh, they played Sheffield United, and Sheffield United won. Oh, I didn't realise uh, Fleck um, collapsed in the middle of the game. Yeah, no, I saw that. Do you know what it was? Yeah, was no, they haven't said, but he said he's all right now. He's been discharged from hospital. That means he's um, he's all right. Is it like one of them things like Baff Timmy Gomez used to have? I'm not sure. Yeah, they they haven't really said much about it. But, uh, yeah. It's Fair enough. Okay, looking ahead then, we have got red, and I just mentioned um, on the weekend at home. They obviously are sitting lower in the table than they should be. They had a deduction, I believe, didn't they? I can't remember how many points yeah, they had. Six, right? Six points for them. So, theoretically, they'd be on 23, and we're on 27. So, they're not, you know, that far off us, really. Um <laughs> They signed Andy Carroll on a free transfer, I believe, recently. Yeah, I know. I didn't realise he was there. I'm thinking about it. I was watching, um, I was watching some of the highlights last night, and it came up. Oh, it's a loan, uh, is it? Hang on, what? Andy Carroll. Oh, no, it is. It is free. A short-term deal until the middle of January. It's weird. That is weird. Um, I don't know if he scored at all though since he's come. Since he's been there, no, I think so. Don't even know if he's no, played. I forgot he was there. He will score on Saturday. Will he play? Does he play for him? I off the bench, I think. Let's have a look if he played for for him in the last game. So against Sheffield, uh, yeah, he came off a bench. Yeah. Okay. So, Redding, um, they've only won one match in the last seven, and they've drawn one in the last seven. This is five defeats. So the form is not great. They had a bit of a poor summer. I think they let players go, didn't really replace them. We actually had them earlier in the season, didn't we, in the cup? But it was kind of like our reserves against their kids. Uh, yeah. And it was a good win for us. But I'm sure that will be nothing like the teams that play this match. What what yeah. team would you put out then? Would you make any changes? No, I think maybe at home you'll bring in Cham in for uh, Corey Smith. I think if everyone's fit, I think you'll probably put Man in back at centre back and have Bidwell on the full, uh, full back again. That's I think that's what he's going to do unless he mixes it up and puts Man in. You think Cabango loses out then? I do. I just I don't know. I don't know. It seems to be the odd one out, doesn't he? Well, if Bidwell loses out and Manning goes back to left back, yeah, he could do. Well, I wouldn't be, you know, really, un- I wouldn't be unhappy with that anyway. But um, I think he'll go back to Manning as centre back, and yeah, I think, I think you're I right think to go back to the the back three, and, and Cham will come in for Smith, and they will kind of be the same team as against Blackpool, but Bennett obviously in there um, at the back. I think anyway. But um, what about how the game's going to go? Do you think we're going to get a win? Yeah, we think we've got to win games. I guess at home, like you know, Blackpool is another one. Should be winning those games at home, really. Um, but it's probably going to be much of the same. We're going to have a lot of the ball, and 
hopefully they'll take their chances. They, like we said, they, they've got the capability of destroying teams. Um, they get an early goal, they could beat teams 3 4 nil easy. It's just get having that patience, I guess. But I genuinely think this might be an early shout, but could probably make tidy push for the for the playoffs this year in and around that area. You said it. I think. No, I think I'm seeing it now. I think we we are having some dodgy results, like you know, like Bournemouth four 0 But I think if we can eliminate Bournemouth and Fulham and uh, and like West Brom, even though we did beat them, in all fairness, um, you got like QPR sitting. Fourth, are they or fifth? Can Coventry? Yeah, Coventry's think, the one think, that stands up for me. I think we're good enough to be in there. I'm looking at the teams around that pack. Well, we went to Coventry uh, and won, so. Right, exactly, we went to Coventry and won. We, we beat West, West Brom. We beat West Brom, yeah, and they're in there, so why can't we be in there? Yeah, and I think, you know, we've got Redding is a winnable game at home. Um, then we've got QPR away, which would be a good one. It'd be a good test for us. Because I see. QPR will probably be in and around the playoff area as well. So, good bit, you know, you know the way the league is. There's like three teams and 27 points. We could easily slip back into like you know, 15th. But I think the way that we're going at the moment, I think we can make a genuine push. We might not get there. You know, like seven, eighth. I think we could do it. Well, we've had five wins in our last eight matches. So, that's decent form. Like I said, we'll, we'll when we come back to look at the result on Saturday now, we'll have a look at how many teams won all three games in the midweek. Yeah, thing and uh, you know if we can win on Saturday, we've got seven points from a week, which is great in this league. One player standing out of Reading's team. We just spoke about Andy Carroll signing on a free transfer. I didn't realise they signed Danny Drinkwater. Oh no, did I? Oh dear. He started in the midfield for them against uh, Sheffield. There, yeah, it looks like one of their better players as well. It's like a vets team then. Scott Dan Sorry, as well. Oh, definitely a vets team. My God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they got no money if they. Oh, they, they something happened. Yeah, as well. Something. I don't know why they had the points deduction. What was that for? Yeah, I'm not sure either. Probably something to do with money. It always is, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think that's a good time to end it. It's been going for quite a while. So, uh, cheers for joining me. And, and as always, um, don't forget to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date with all of our videos. Uh, leave a like if you enjoyed what we spoke about today. It helps other people find our channel and helps us grow. Um, bear with me with my voice. Been a bit ill lately, so that's probably why a bit croaky. But uh, yeah, managed to push through. So hit that like button for for us pushing through, and let us know in the comments as well about what um, what we said and if you agree with us or your thoughts on everything we've talked about. On that note, we shall see you in the next video or podcast. And uh, yeah, catch you later. See you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network. The match has just finished and you're on your way home. What better way to celebrate that 90th minute winner than a McNugget share box and a few dips with your mates? You channel your inner Ronald as you race to beat the muck delivery home, just making it an injury time. Ordering muck delivery is easy on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.